For as long as I can remember, there has been an infatuation with the subject of the rapture and the end of time. In the year 1988, there was a book that was written, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture is Going to Occur in 1988. I imagine you could pick one of those up pretty cheap now. When I was in college, I remember that as the Gulf War, the first Gulf War started, and we started sending troops to the Middle East, there was a lot of talk about the signs of the times and, you know, anything that goes on in the Middle East. People began to talk about the fact that they say the end is near, and they will tell you that the Bible teaches it. In 1999, there was quite a ruckus made by end-time preachers who said that at the stroke of midnight, there was going to be the Y2K bug. Do you all remember this? And it was going to be the beginning of the end. In fact, this was the front of Time magazine, the end of the world. Everybody was talking about this. And I took this picture off of an item at Best Buy because they said the computers were going to cause a crash. I remember preaching in 1999 on a lectureship because we were dealing with this because everybody was saying that. Later in the year 2011, there was this gentleman by the name of Harold Camping. He predicted on his program, Family Radio, that the end of the world was going to occur, at least the beginning of the end, was going to start on May the 21st of 2011. He put that out on 150 radio outlet, uh, outlets on the internet, Facebook, billboards. It was getting national coverage. I remember preaching the week before saying, this is not going to happen, and we can talk about it the following week. You might be familiar with this. This is a series of books that was put out by a man named Tim LaHaye. He put out three books called The Rising, The Regime, and The Rapture. They became wildly popular. He sold millions. It was put into a series of movies, and the one on the left is Kirk Cameron. That was, uh, I don't know when that came out, in the 90s. Later, it was republished, uh, put out again, with uh, Nicolas Cage, and on that occasion, it was funded by Willie Robertson from the Duck Dynasty. Now, of course, this is false doctrine, but this portrays what they believe is going to take place at the end of time. And so you might say, I don't want to study about their rapture. I don't want to hear all this and dig through all of that. You can get the movie series and watch it, and you'll have a pretty good idea of what they believe is going to take place at the end of time. I've actually watched them. And it's interesting science fiction, but it's not Bible. Now, frequently when you hear people talk about the rapture, you will also hear terms like the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation and the Mark of the Beast and Armageddon. And so what we're going to do for the next several minutes is this. In response to this request about the rapture, we're going to talk about their rapture, but we can't talk about that without discussing some of these other things that they use to tie these together. So to begin with, I want to talk about the end of time. Some people will tell you that the end of time, they say, is very near. Jesus is coming soon. In fact, Harold Camping in 2011, he was saying, in fact, he wrote this, God has given us advance of the destruction the exact time of the day of judgment. 
And he's not the only one that has thought this. Many people believe that there is a hidden formula within the pages of Scripture that if you can figure it out, then you can sort out and know when the end of time is going to be. Other people are, are more vague. They say, we don't know the exact day, but they say, We've can, we can know the end is near. They say that there are indicators, there are signs of the times, if you will. If you ask them what are the signs of the times, they'll reference the passage I have here, Matthew 24, 6 and 7. They will say that, you know, the signs of the wars and the rumors of wars. That's why every time something happens in the Middle East, people begin to talk about this. They talk about earthquakes and famines, and they'll say these are the signs. What about this? Are there signs of the times? Is there a way for us to know that the end is near? No. Friends, the answer to that is no. God has not given us any indicators or any signs that the end is near. Listen to Matthew 24, 36. I have it on the screen here. Jesus said, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. It is interesting to me that Jesus said, only the Father knows. He said, the angels don't even know, and yet some people think that they're able to figure it out. You know, Peter tells us, the day of the Lord, he says, will come like a thief in the night. Second Peter 3 and verse 10. Now, what does that mean? Well, the idea is a thief doesn't tell you in advance that he's coming. He doesn't give you hints. He doesn't send you text messages hinting at it so that if you can figure it out, you'll know when he's coming. That's not the way it works. It is a complete surprise. And that's the point. The day of the Lord will come just like a thief. It will be without any notice whatsoever. You know, it is interesting. If you will do a little bit of Googling, you will find out that people have been predicting the end of time, it seems like, since the beginning of time. I did this one time and searched predictions for the end of time, and they go on and on and on. I thought about doing a lesson on that, but there's just so many of them, it is overwhelming. When will people just believe what Jesus said of that day and hour? Nobody knows. No, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. And so, what about people that say that there are signs of the end of time? Where, where do they get that? You might say, well, Don, there's got to be something. You know, they point to this passage, and they talk about the wars and, and the rumors of wars. Friends, those things have always been with us, haven't they? When in history has there been a time when there have not been wars or earthquakes or famines? In fact, I saw a study that someone had done where... They had gone through history, to the best of our knowledge, to try to write down the times, the years, in which a war was not taking place somewhere. And I've forgotten the number now. I wish I had saved it. I probably did somewhere. But it was just a very few years in the history of the world in which a war wasn't taking place. And that's probably just because we didn't know about it. Now, what's the point? Wars have always been taking place. So what of this passage? They're taking a passage that applies to something else, and they're misapplying it. We'll get back to that in just a second. All right, let's focus on the request here. What about the rapture? Point number two, let's talk about the rapture. Now, somebody might say, what is the rapture? I don't even know what you're talking about when you say that. The rapture is an event that is supposedly going to take place in the very near future, 
in which the faithful are secretly going to be called away into heaven and the rest of the world is going to be left behind. In fact, that's where the the book series and the movie gets its name, Left Behind. In fact, the rest of us who are not believers in this, we will be part of that group who will be left behind. On this earth. In fact, let me read you the description of this movie because it does a good job of summarizing what they believe about the rapture. It says the most important event in history of mankind is happening right now, that is, in the movie. In the blink of an eye, the biblical rapture strikes the world. Millions of people disappear without a trace. All that remains are their clothes and their belongings, and in an instant, Terror and chaos spread around the world. The vanishings caused unmanned vehicles to crash and burn. Planes fall from the sky. Emergency forces everywhere are devastated. Gridlock, riots, looting overrun the cities. There is no one to help or or provide answers. In a moment, the entire planet is plunged into darkness. In fact, maybe you've seen a bumper sticker sometimes like this one. I actually went to a site that sells these, and I I clipped it off of there. But maybe you've seen this bumper sticker that says, in case a rapture, this car will be unmanned. This is what they're talking about. They are saying if the rapture occurs, they're going to be gone, and their car is going to be left empty, and it's going to crash into other vehicles. They are alluding to this belief. They say it's going to be a secret. I don't know how that's going to be a secret if this happens, because... If it were to happen, then we've already known about it. But that's what uh, they're talking about. And so hundreds of thousands of people, they say, around the world are suddenly going to vanish. In fact, I want to read you one man's description of the rapture. This is by a man named Peter Ruckman. This is a lecture that he did in some church building. I got it out of a book that I have in my office. He says this. They actually took his lecture and transcribed it into a book. He said, the Lord is going to come and a bunch of people are going to go out. If we were here and he were to come in the next five minutes, he said there'd probably still be a few people sitting here, maybe two or three here, maybe three or four there. You'd lose your mind because it would be so unreal you couldn't grasp it. One minute you're sitting here looking at a man preach, and the next minute the pulpit is empty, and there is blood coming off the platform. One minute you're looking at someone's head in front of you and the next minute you can see all the way to the front row. There would be piles of clothes all over the benches and about 50 gallons of blood flowing down the carpet. Now, I don't know where he gets any of this. There is nothing akin to this in the Bible. And this idea that Christ is coming at some point in the future in which he will secretly rapture the faithful Christians who are living on earth Again, I guess it makes for an interesting movie. It is a pretty good movie, but it's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about this concept of a rapture? Friends, first, the Bible nowhere teaches the concept of a secret appearance of Christ where Christians will be secretly raptured away. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 talks about the second coming of Christ And it describes it very differently. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. It's not going to be a secret. And with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, it is not going to be a quiet event. And the dead in Christ will rise first. 
And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall forever be with the Lord. It doesn't sound like a secret. In addition to that, Revelation 1 and verse 7 indicates that not only will the trumpet of God be sounding at Christ's coming, the Bible says, every eye shall see Him. It's going to be a huge trumpet heard all over the world. Every eye shall see Him. It's not going to be a secret. A second key problem with this rapture theory is that it teaches that the living of the dead saints are going to be raptured away to heaven, and the rest of the world is going to be left behind on this earth for years to come. Now, the problem with that is the Bible plainly teaches that the righteous and the wicked are going to be resurrected at the same hour, same time. Now, listen to this. John chapter 5, 28 and 29 says, Do not marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life. They that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. And so all of humanity, both good and bad, are going to be resurrected at the same time. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 30, in the parable of the tares, Jesus teaches that there is no separation of the evil and the good until the end. It's going to happen at the same time. In the books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, those books were written to discuss one major point, and that is the coming of the Lord, and not one single time in those eight chapters do you ever read about more than one coming of the Savior. Friends, when the Lord comes again, listen to me, when the Lord comes again, no one will be left behind. Within a matter of minutes, Everyone, good and evil, will be called before the judgment throne of Christ. Now, a third key problem with the left-behind theory is when the end does come, there will be no world upon which to be left behind. There won't be a world. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Scripture reading tonight in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with the fervent heat. Both the earth and the works therein shall be burned up. Number one, there will be no secret coming of the Lord. Number two, there will be no rapture of the saints. Number three, there will be no advanced signs that the end is near. Number four, the Bible simply says at some unknown point in the future, the trumpet will sound and the judgment day is going to come. Number five, on that day, the earth is going to be destroyed. The righteous and the wicked will stand before God at the same time. Conclusion, there will be no one left behind. The doctrine of the rapture is not true. Now, somebody who believes or has been taught the rapture might say, well, if that is the case, where um, everyone is going to go at the same time, then how do you explain Matthew 24 and verse 40? What, What does that mean? It describes the righteous taken and the wicked left. How do you explain that if there's not going to be a rapture? Let me read this for you. Matthew 24 and verse 40 says, Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know the hour when your Lord is coming. Matthew 24, 40 through 42. Now, 
in light of the other Bible passages that we've already studied, such as John 5, 28 and 29, that says the judgment is going to happen in one day, all of humanity, good and bad, are going to be judged within the time frame of one hour. We've got that established. Judgment, one day, all the, the good and bad, one hour. Now, I want you to add this to it. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 tells us, the dead in Christ will rise first, then the living saints will be caught up to meet them in the air. We learn from that that there is an order to the judgment day. It's all going to happen in one day. John 5 says one hour, but there's going to be an order. And so, all that Matthew 24:40 is telling us is it's describing the gathering of the righteous. That's all he's saying is the righteous are going to go first. They're going to go first, and the others are going to be pretty quick thereafter. It's going to be on that day within that hour. So here is the next point. What happens to those who are left behind, according to the theory? This is a... In fact, let me skip ahead for here for a minute. This is a natural question. If, as the movie says the righteous are going to be caught away to heaven, the rest of the world is going to be left behind, what's supposedly going to happen to those who are left behind? Well, you can't find any of this in the Bible. And so, if you ask this question, the answer is going to vary quite a bit. In fact, this one that I skipped over, these are various views about the timing of the rapture. I'm not going to go over them, I just wanted you to see, this is just four of them. So based on the view about the rapture, that changes everything else. And so what I'm going to give you is a very generic view. This is probably the most common view of what people believe is going to happen with regard to the end of time and the rapture. The general consensus, and none of this is from the Bible, but the general consensus is at the rapture, all of the faithful are going to be taken into heaven for a period of seven years. Now, that first block that says the present church age, that would be where we are now. You see the line that says rapture of the church. That's going to be the rapture. They say is going to happen very soon. The next two blocks represent a period of seven years. It's divided into three and a half, three and a half. During that seven-year period, several things are going to happen. First, in the first three and a half years, they say that all of the Jews are going to return to Jerusalem and to Israel and the Old Testament temple of David is going to be rebuilt in the first three and a half years. Secondly, there is going to arise a powerful world ruler that they identify as the Antichrist. Now, there have been all kinds of theories over the years about who the Antichrist is. I've heard many of them. Through the ages, some people have said Mussolini. Some have said Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Khrushchev, Fidel Castro. I remember when I was a kid, Henry Kissinger. Uh, when I was in college, they said Saddam Hussein. And just a few years ago, they were saying Barack Obama. They were saying, is all of these are ideas of who this supposed Antichrist is going to be. But anyway, they say that this figure, the Antichrist, is going to make a covenant with the Jews, and he's going to guarantee their safety. About three and a half years in, this Antichrist is going to be revealed for who he really is. They're going to find out he's the Antichrist. And he's going to start persecuting believers in Christ. 
He's going to break his covenant with Israel, and then the Antichrist is going to enthrone himself on the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, and he's going to demand that people worship him like a god. During this seven-year period, those who were left behind, you get a second chance. You can still become a Christian. They call them tribulation saints because in the second three and a half years after the Antichrist is revealed, all of those who are converted, they're going to be persecuted, and it's going to be bad. The Antichrist is going to rain down on them, and they're going to be the tribulation saints. This period is going to be called the Great Tribulation. Now, I don't want to get bogged down in a lot of the details right now, but I want you to keep your mind on the big picture here. The saints have supposedly been raptured back into heaven. The rest of the world, still here, is really bad for them. This is the great tribulation. They say it is going to be the worst. It is going to be the most intense persecution this world has ever known. Again, none of this is in the Bible. It's purely fiction. Now, somebody might say, Don, how can you say that? Where do they get it? Where is this idea of the great tribulation coming from? They have to get it from somewhere. They get it from Matthew chapter 24 and the description of the destruction of Jerusalem. Matthew 24, 21 says this, For then there shall be great tribulation. But the Bible doesn't describe this as something that's going to happen at the end of time. Rather, Matthew 24, 21 is describing the intense suffering that's going to take place when the Romans attack the city of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. In fact, if you keep reading Matthew 24, after describing this attack and this tribulation, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 24, 34. He says, Assuredly, I say unto you, this generation will in no means pass away until all of these things have taken place. Now, what does that mean? The tribulation that Jesus is describing he said, would happen within the lifetime of that generation, not the end of time. History tells us about 40 years after Jesus said that, Jerusalem was attacked by the Romans, and it was destroyed, and they had great tribulation, and it was within the lifetime of those people, exactly like Jesus said. All right, back to the theory. They say that the saints are in heaven, the rest of the world is suffering persecution and tribulation, and the Antichrist and his armies are punishing the tribulation saints. And when it gets really, really bad, seven years in, there takes place what they call the Battle of Armageddon. Now, what is this going to be like? I want to read you one man's description of this. This was written by a man named Hal Lindsey from his book, The Late Great Planet Earth. I copied this out of a copy of his book that I have. This book sold millions and millions of copies. It is probably the most famous book that anyone has ever written on the subject of the end of time and premillennialism. This is him describing the Battle of Armageddon. He believes that two massive armies are going to meet on the ancient battlefield of Armageddon, and there's going to be a massive war. Here's the battle scene. He says, so here it is, the last great conflict. After the Antichrist assembles his forces, the rest of the world gathers together. They're going to meet in an onrushing charge of the kings of the east in a battle line that will extend throughout Israel with the vortex centered in the valley of Megiddo. 
He says that so many, are, so many people are going to be killed that blood will stand to the horses' bridles for a distance of 200 miles north and south of Jerusalem. He says this war is going to spread over the whole earth, encompassing and destroying, he said, London, Paris, New York. And he said, as the battle of Armageddon reaches its awful climax, and it looks like life is going to be destroyed on this planet, at that moment, Jesus Christ is going to return and save man from extinction. That is the doctrine of premillennialism, the rapture and the end of time in a nutshell that is commonly taught by much of the religious world. Now, somebody might say, does this even matter? In fact, here's a summary of it. The rapture, rebuilding of the temple, the Antichrist, the Great Tribulation, and the Battle of Armageddon. Somebody says, does this even matter? Maybe you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, all right, we don't know when Christ is going to return again. There's no scriptural evidence for the rapture. We get it. And so what if the Great Tribulation is a total concoction? What difference does it make? Is it really of eternal consequence? Without getting into a lot of nitty-gritty tonight, let me simply say this. Friends, the doctrine of the rapture contradicts what the Bible says about the judgment day. And that makes it extremely serious. The book of Revelation teaches us about the end of time, and this is what the Lord said. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the book of this prophecy. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life and from the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. In light of that, it makes it very, very serious. Friends, the fact of the matter is, we don't know when the Lord is coming again. Of that day and hour, no one knows. No, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. And then Jesus adds this, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it also be in the coming of the Son of Man. What does that mean? When Noah was on this earth, he was preaching, there's a flood coming, and one day, bam, without notice it started. He said that's how it's going to be. One day, we're going to hear the trumpet sound, and it will be too late. But we know this, when the Lord comes, he's not going to take the righteous only. All of humanity is going to be called right then. Without a second chance, you won't be able to become a tribulation saint in whatever condition you're in when the trumpet sounds. You will be called before God, and you will answer in judgment, and no one will be left behind. Maybe you're here tonight, and you say, this is very different than what I have heard. I like to study the Bible. We would be very happy to do that. Maybe you're here tonight and you're ready to obey the gospel. Maybe you understand what the Bible teaches to become a New Testament Christian. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. And we would be very honored to assist you with that tonight. Maybe you need to come forward as a child of God and request the prayers of your brethren on your behalf because of sin in your life or because of... Uh, something that's going on for which you desire the prayers of the saints, we would be honored to do that as well. Tonight, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come? As together we stand and sing the invitation song.